from Mount Juliet, Tennessee, if anyone really cares. Uh, it's only about an hour away. Uh, and Jesse was my intern uh, two years ago, so that's how we knew each other. Um, and he was, he was an awesome intern then, and he's been an awesome uh, youth minister for, and a mentor to me now, and so I'm very appreciative of that. I'm also very appreciative of you guys, um, not just the youth group, but all of you guys. This wouldn't be possible without any of you. Um, I'm, thank you I th- I'm thankful so much for such a great summer so far. I'm, I'm so excited for the future, the future of the rest of the summer, and how awesome it's going to be. And I want to thank each and every one of you for that. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30. If you want to go and be turning there. Um, We're going to be continuing our study of who is this Lord that we love. About like two weeks into my internship, Andy came up to me and gave me this topic. Uh, It's called Jesus and the Syrophoenician Woman. And I didn't know that topic too well. I didn't really know what the story was too well. Uh, and I sat down to read it, and all I could think was, why would he give me this topic? Why did he give me one of the most difficult parts in Mark to talk about? And if you don't know this passage, that's okay. We're going to read through it real quick. And uh, maybe after reading through it, you might understand my questioning of why he would give me this topic. Uh, but hopefully we can all take away something from tonight. Starting in verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered the house and did not want anyone to know Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But but she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way demon has left your daughter and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone so if you're like me after reading this passage you're probably thinking what in the world just happened why did jesus act this way and what went on what does this passage mean i think there's a couple of different things we can take away from this we can learn from this uh and there's two main characters that i want to focus on the woman and jesus Uh, So let's start with the woman. What do we know about her? Well, at first we know that she is a Syrophoenician. That's a hard word to say, so basically she's a Gentile. She's not a Jew. Um, She's of the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is where Jesus was, and she is a Gentile. She is not of the Jewish faith. We also know that she is a daughter who is demon-possessed, and she is desperate. We can learn very quickly she is persistent in begging Jesus to do anything he can. But the most important thing we can learn from this woman is that she had true faith. She didn't just believe that Jesus could save her daughter. She had true faith that he was the only way her daughter could be saved. If you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. This passage is recorded twice. Once in Mark and once in Matthew. And in Matthew 15 we're going to focus a little bit more on Matthew's recording. Because it shows her desperation and her true faith. And that's Matthew 15, we'll be in 21 through 28. Starting in verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And, he, and behold, a Canaanite woman from the region uh, came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by demons. So let's pause right there. 
First off, not only does she believe that Jesus could save her daughter, she knows who Jesus is. This wasn't just some rumor or a claim that she'd heard from a friend or something she heard in the news. She knew who Jesus was. Not only does she call him Lord, but she calls him Son of David. Meaning she knew her stuff. She knew who he was. She knew where he came from and uh, who he was uh, kin to. But we keep reading in verse 23. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. So here again, we, we see her desperation for Jesus' help. You've got to think, Jesus' disciples were trained to help all those in need, help all those that were wanting Jesus' help, that were wanted to learn from Jesus. And yet this woman's begging was so bad that they begged Jesus, send her away, get, get rid of her. It's, it's terrible. I can't imagine these great men of faith wanting to send someone away unless Jesus himself ignores her and her begging is too much where they need her, they need her to leave. We'll keep reading in verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus had answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for, for, for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So this woman was very faithful. She knew that Jesus could save her daughter. She didn't take no for an answer. And I think that's very important here. Jesus told her no practically three times in Matthew's recording. In Mark's, he only tells her no like once. But in Matthew's recording, he tells her no three times. He first ignores her. He then says, I came here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then he says the quote about, uh, let the children eat first, for it's not right to throw their bread to the dogs. She didn't take no for an answer. She knew that Jesus could save her daughter. She knew that he was the only way. Now, I don't have kids of my own. I'm not a parent. I'm only 19 years old. But I can only imagine what a parent's mind might be going through. Your daughter's sick. She's demon-possessed. And there's two different scenarios here. This woman hears that Jesus could heal. She hears that he could do these things. She hears rumors only. So she, thought, she thinks, why not try? Why not go out? He's in, my, he's in my hometown. Let me go try and see what he can do. I think as a parent, if your, your child was that sick, was that... It was, in, it was demon-possessed, and there was no physician that could heal her. He would try anything. But here's, I think, where the, where the story splits off from the two scenarios. If she had just heard these rumors, if she didn't truly believe that Jesus could save her, I think after the, Jesus ignoring her or telling her, I'm only here for the, lost, uh, for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, or telling her that the children's bread is not for her, I think she leaves. I think she cuts her losses either goes to try to find a different way to save her child or just spends her time, what little time she might have left with her child. But this woman wasn't going away anytime soon. She knew that Jesus could save her daughter. She knew who he was, that he was the son of David, that he was the son of God, and that he had the power to save her. So she kept persisting, saying, Lord, help me. She had a great faith. I think that's what we can take away from her. But now let's kind of turn our attention and focus 
to our main character of this story, Jesus. The whole theme for this theme for the summer is who is this Lord that we love? What can we learn about and from Jesus from this passage? Now, at first, his comments seem a little aggressive. If you you ask me personally, when I first read it, I was like, why? Why does he have to act? Why does he have to say those things? Why, if he heals her in the end, why does he even say any of these things? But I think there's a reasoning. First, if we focus back on verse 24. After she's begging him, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now what I'm about to say is going to be hard to digest, is going to be hard to understand, and it should be. But Jesus was first come, had first come to save the Jewish people, to save the people of the house of Israel. Now that's kind of hard because if you grew up in the church or if you know Jesus, it's not really what you think when you first think of Jesus. When you think of Jesus, you think a guy who came to save all. The Son of God who came to save everyone. That's what we're taught. And yet here he says, I came, to, I came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's a little hard to understand. That's a little hard to digest. And this isn't the only time that he says it. It's not just this one time he's trying to be maybe testing her faith or anything. This is not the first time he ever says this. Back in Matthew chapter 10, just five chapters over, in verse 5 through 6, he's sending out his disciples, and, he, and in verse 5 it says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There again. Not only does he tell them only go to the house of to the people that were that are lost sheep of the house of Israel, but ignore and kind of go around the Gentiles and the Samaritans. That's a hard thing to digest. Why would Jesus want only the Jews to be saved first? It's because they're God's chosen people. They're the people that God was with from the very beginning and up till at that point. That's who God's chosen people were. And so he's rewarding them with getting the first priority of Jesus' ministry. But here's where the important thing is. That, min- that ministry was first prioritized for the Jews, but it is no longer prioritized. And it was never only meant for just the Jewish people. It was meant for all. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, Paul's writing to the Romans, and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to any, everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice what he says there at the end. I'll read it one more time. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it's for anyone that believed, but it was meant first for the Jews and then all that believed. All the Gentiles that believed also. But it was meant first for the Jewish people. Now again, that should be kind of a harder passage and a harder uh, understanding to really digest and really understand why Jesus would do that. And sometimes we just can't understand those things. But I think it was a rewarding of God being with the Israelites and God's chosen people, and he's rewarding them by getting the first priority. But that's not enough, honestly, in my opinion. Why, if that's all that it is, why does he still heal her daughter at the end? If he's only there to save the, the Jewish people first, why does he still heal her daughter at the end? Another reason I came to was that he was testing her faith. 
He tests her faith uh, to see if she truly believes in him. And she does. We've, we've learned that she had a true faith for him. That she didn't just hear about him. But she truly believed in him. She, she believed that any bit of his power could be enough. It reminds me of the story of when Jesus is being taken to Jairus' daughter. And on their way, a woman who has this skin condition. She's having blood all over her. She just sneaks up and touches his, uh, Jesus' garments, knowing that that will be enough to heal her, and it does. It wasn't necessarily um, the same story, but this woman, the Syrophoenician woman, knew that any bit of uh, Jesus' power, any bit of crumb of his power, as she refers to it, is enough to save her daughter. She knew that his power was great enough to do it. And also, I think because of her faith that Jesus was able to save her daughter. If we, if we know that Jesus is the Son of God and has all this power, the question then comes up, why didn't he just save everyone? If he was going to heal people on his ministry, why wouldn't he just heal everyone? Why would it only be the people he came in contact with? Well, I think it's because he wanted to see their faith first. He wanted to see these people have faith in him that he could do it and that he was the Son of God. And so it was not necessarily these, uh, this woman's faith that saved her daughter, but it was her faith that allowed Jesus to heal her daughter and to save her daughter from this demon. But finally, I want to look at one more thing. Jesus' actions are not the same as what we normally see from this Lord that we love. We're not used to seeing this kind of temperament from Jesus. But as I kept reading, reading it over and, and over again, I kind of caught on to an action that he might have been kind of refer, characteristics that he might have been uh, similar to, and of another character that we know of. He's kind of standoffish, he's kind of aggressive, he kind of sends her away at first, even though we know Jesus would heal anyone. And it kind of reminded me of how the Pharisees acted. The Pharisees were known to just send people away, uh, to just get rid of people and drive them away uh, if it wouldn't benefit themselves. If, it, if they weren't perfect to their traditions, they would just drive them away. That's kind of what Jesus does here. He kind of drives her away because she's not of the Jewish faith. He drives her away to test her faith maybe, but she, all the same, he drives her out. He says, look, I'm going to feed the children of Israel first. Um, and it's not right to throw their food to, to the dogs. You might ask yourself, why would Jesus act in that way then? If he's acting similar to a Pharisee, why would he do that? I think it's maybe to show the Pharisees and, the peop- and his disciples and the people around him the dangers of how the Pharisees acted. You see, the Pharisees would, dr- would uh, drive people away. But those people that go away, they're probably not going to come back to that faith. They're probably never going to learn who God is because they're going to have a terrible experience with that. And Jesus shows them that if he were to drive this, per- this woman away, she's never, she would have a terrible experience with God and she would never want to have any experience with him. But here's the difference. Jesus ended up saving her daughter. Jesus ended up doing the right thing and showing all his disciples that it, this was the right way to do it, to heal them after seeing their faith. So what can we take away from this passage? This is a weird passage, but I think there's still two main things we can take away from this passage. We need to have a faith like this woman. 
When Jesus told her to go away, when the disciples asked Jesus and begged him to send her away, she stayed. When she didn't get the answer that she wanted, when she didn't get the answer she was expecting, she stayed and kept begging because she knew that Jesus was the only way. We're told often, if you're ever in need of something, to pray for it, to pray to God. But I know often, so often, I pray to God for things And I don't get the answer that I want. Or I don't get the answer I want right away. And it's so frustrating sometimes because, you know, I want my answer right away. I want the thing that I want, the way I want it, the way I expected it, the way I planned it. But sometimes we're not going to get those answers. Our prayers will always be answered, but sometimes they they won't be answered in the ways we expect them, in the ways we want them to be. But we need to be like this woman and stay faithful to God, stay faithful to Jesus, because He is the only way. I think also we need to learn that Jesus saves all. Now, I know I've kind of been teaching how Jesus was only sent at first to save the Jewish people, but I think that's the most important thing. He first came to save the Jews, but He's now opened His his salvation to all. Salvation and gospel is open to all people. Regardless of the sins they've committed in the past, regardless of the sins they've committed in the future, they'll commit in the future, regardless of if they're Jew, a Gentile, whatever nation they're from, Jesus came to save them all. He came to save you too. Regardless of what you've done in your past, regardless of what you'll do in your future, regardless of where you come from or who you are, Jesus came to save you. So I want to ask you have you received this salvation? Have you uh, understood that Jesus is the only way to salvation? And have you taken on that salvation? If not, what are you waiting for? If you understand that He is the only way to, to heaven, if He is the only way that we can be saved, if we can even hope of having salvation, what are you waiting for? If you want to talk about baptism, if you would like to receive that salvation, then I urge you to come forward. If you would like to talk to us and ask for prayers from your family, ask for prayers from this encouraging family that we have here, I would like to encourage you to come forward now. Do stand as we sing.